welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Verse 3, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Man, we got a huge responsibility because the word head there is not like upon your shoulders. It is in leader, as in that's who you answer to. That's a big one. We, men, we got to answer to, we all got to answer to God. But men, he said the head of, the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Amen. I can can see people right now. I don't know about that, but what about, about, but it's in the Bible. That, That doesn't make anybody lesser. It means greater accountability than anything. Amen. There, there's huge accountability for us men. Let me read that again. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And here's what I want to talk about today. Preach or teach, however this comes out. I, I really do want to lift our men. I want to encourage them and hopefully a rallying call to support our men. I want to, I want to, this is what I felt the Lord put in my spirit. If if I were to live, if God doesn't come back for a thousand years and they were to dig this out of the archive somewhere in, in the ether out there. I would like this to be a lasting letter to men a thousand years from now. And so I'm simply going to preach on, dear men, you matter. Dear men, you matter. And let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you for these tremendous men that are represented in this house. Men of faith, men of prayer, men of courage, leaders, providers. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen all of us, open all of our understanding collectively. Lord, I pray our men will be encouraged, challenged, and directed. And I pray that anyone else, Lord, would be strengthened and eyes open and resolved, given to be that support, to be that backing, that that audience cheering on these men to walk more in righteousness and godliness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Look at, look at a man near you and say, you matter. You know, fathers sometimes get a bad rap. And let me just say this. Uh, men have fallen on hard times. I'm just like I said. If this lasts a thousand years, I want somebody to understand what I'm saying. Being a man, I'm not looking for pity. Not a man in here is looking for pity. If you are, your masculinity's broke. But being a man has fallen on hard times. We are looked at as the problem rather than the solution. And if we just get rid of men. We can just get rid of their masculinity. The world will be a better place. And I tell you that the Putins of this world lick their lips at that thought 
of emasculating the men of this nation. Because there is always a dictator. Xi Jinping is cheering that on for America. Because there's always a dictator that would love for that to happen. Ask Great Britain when they were ran by Neville Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain, who was not a man of masculinity. It took a short, fat, sawed-off man by the name of Winston Churchill to put his finger in the nose of Nazi Germany and say, we ain't going to take it no more. But fathers get a bad rap sometimes. Sometimes church, not our church, but in, in, in Christianity and broad, will spend more, more time on Mother's Day bragging on moms and on Father's Day beating up on dads. I'm glad it's not that way around here, and I'm glad that we, we set up for the men and we prepare to honor our men. I thank my wife for doing that yesterday when she got home. I thank God to, that, that our men are made um, to feel special because men need to be honored. We, we, we are in a world where, where dads are looked down upon. If, we, if, if what was happening to us now as children when our dads were our age, this world would look different right now. The agenda being pushed in our schools would not be pushed if our dads woke up in this generation in their prime. Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished how much that old man had learned in seven years. How many know that's true? Comedian Bill Cosby wrote, he said, now that my father is a grandfather, he just can't wait to give money away. He can't wait to give money to my kids. But when I was a kid and I asked him for 50 cents, he would tell me his whole life story. How when he was a kid, he grew up at, or he got to get up at 5 a.m. when he was seven years old, walk 23 miles to milk 90 cows in the snow waist deep. And the farmer for whom he worked had no bucket. So he would squirt the milk into his little hand and then walk eight miles to the nearest can, all for five cents. He said the result was I never got my 50 cents. And I had to listen to that story every time. But now he tells my children every time they come into his house, well, come on over here and let's see how much money granddad has for his wonderful grandkids. He said, and the minute they take the money out of his hand, I call them around the corner and I snatch that cash out of their hand and I let them know that was my money to begin with. Dads just aren't the same with grandkids. I watch my nephews get away with things we got beat for. Because it's different. My dad said many times if he'd have known grandkids were so much fun, they'd have just had them first. He said they, they perfected themselves in their grandchildren. We were just the hard work and trouble they had to get through to get to them. Grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children. <laughs> Amen. That's 
So as you got small kids, hold on, one day it'll pay off. Amen. <laughs> there are sayings that we associate with our dads. And here are the top ten quotes from the article, The World According to Fathers, the ten most common sayings of dads. And please feel welcome to help me finish these sayings. What part of no... This is going to hurt me. Boy, y'all, we had some good dads around here, I guess. Why? Because I. We didn't get to ask why. Oh, we did ask why maybe once or twice, and we found out. Ain't no reason in asking why. You just do it. What was the uh, Lord Alfred Tennyson said? Tis not to ask uh, why just to do and die? Amen. That's what it is. <laughs> I asked why. Didn't get an answer. I asked why the second time. It was the sound of leather clearing belt loops. <laughs> why? Because I said so. You don't, I remember him saying, you don't got a right to ask me a question. I said do it. Back then we were also scared of our parents too, which is somewhat healthy. Amen. I think you're safe, Sister Jamie. <laughs> Number four was, I wasn't asleep. I was just letting my eyes rest. As my, my great uncle would say, I wasn't asleep. I was checking my eyelids for light leaks. Shut that door, were you? A little dirt, never. As long as you live under my roof, you'll open. Hopefully some of you kids aren't hearing this for the first time. Do you think I'm made out of? <laughs> this is hilarious because we come from all parts of America and we are right on point. Don't make me stop this car. And the number one most common and popular saying among dads is, go ask your mother. I did that today. Go ask your mother. It's not that we don't know the answer. We're just not certain we know the answer. And we don't want to cause conflict. <laughs> Jewish tradition insists that fatherhood is not necessarily biological, as Brother Garza alluded to earlier. The one in Jewish tradition who raises the child is considered the true parent. Teachers are like fathers, so much so that their honor takes precedent, especially in those situations where the biological relationship is gone, and it is the teacher who provides what a father should provide, guidance, values, discipline, direction, and love. We see this Jewish tradition spill over when Paul would say that those that labor in the word are worthy of double honor. It was the concept of honoring those who are giving you values, disciplines, guide, direction, and love. In the first century, families were presided over by fathers 
who could do whatever they pleased in their homes. The early church was being raised up at this time under Roman influence, and the Greco-Roman law had a law called Patria Potest, which meant the Father's power, the Father's power, and it was absolute power. Men who were Roman citizens were given absolute rights over their families. By law, the children and the wives were regarded as the patriarch's personal property, and he could do with them whatever he wished. A displeased father could even disown his children, sell them into slavery, or even kill them if he wished without any reprisal. We know this is true because history tells us that Herod, who was a a puppet of Rome and a Roman citizen would take and kill his own newborn son because he feared his son would usurp his throne. And there was no reprisal for it. When a child was born, the baby was placed at the father's feet. If the father picked up the baby, the child stayed home. But if he turned and walked away, the child was either left to die or sold at auction. Seneca, contemporary of the Apostle Paul, described this Roman policy with regard to unwanted animals. He said, quote, we slaughter a fierce ox. We strangle a mad dog. We plunge a knife into a sick cow. Children born weak or deformed, we drowned. It's incredibly offensive, but things are not much better today. We are far more barbaric than Rome ever could have been with the unwanted children of that time. Millions of children aborted every year by convenience. Children have become a disposable commodity in our society just as they were in the time of Rome. But the Bible calls Christian fathers to be different and to raise up a different standard. Our children are not property to own, but they are the image bearers of God and need to be retrained by fathers to project the glory and the image of God into this world. Dads, we are called to provide a nurturing environment where our kids can grow up and learn to love God and learn to serve the Lord with all of their heart. It was counterculture to serve God in the first century, and it is still counterculture to serve God in 2023. Amen. It doesn't make it wrong. Amen. It makes it right to serve God according to what his word says. The New Testament challenges us to see the word father as as, as not just a noun, but to see it as a verb, that it needs to take action. It's biologically easy to become a father, but it is actually biblically challenging to father our children. The Bible very clearly challenges dads to be the spiritual leader in their homes because this ultimate responsibility for what a family becomes belongs to the father. And the primary part of that responsibility is being able to walk a very fine but delicate balance between love and discipline. Love and discipline. If there is no discipline, there is no love. Hebrews 12 and 7, Paul writes and says, if you endure chastening, that is 
That is discipline. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth or discipline not? Don't get mad at God if he seems fit to bring discipline. He only does it because he's treating you like his child. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11 says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nature and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Then again, Paul writes in Colossians 3 and 21, Fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. In writing to the Corinthians, Paul compares his role as an apostle to the role being fulfilled by a dad. And no one can take the unique place of a dad. He says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 15, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And one of the biggest threats that we have in this generation that we are facing now is the breakdown of the family in America. Lifelong marriages provide the foundation for social order. Everything of value rests on those underpinnings. Historically, when the family begins to unravel in any culture, everything is adversely affected. Now, I said this this morning, and I want to say this and reiterate this this afternoon. Amen. If, if you have had things in your past as a father, or even as a mother, you're ashamed of maybe things didn't work out right. I don't, you don't need to live under the guilt or the shame of that thing. You're under the blood of Jesus. Now you need to move forward and say, I'll be the father making disciples that I couldn't be when I was not in my right mind serving God. Don't want to sit back and say, well, none of this applies to me because I didn't start serving God till five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it was, and I messed up. No, amen, you may have messed up, but God's forgiven you, and you can pick up and move forward right now. Say, my children are grown. I don't know, how can I, how can I undo this? You can raise up a spiritual children by making disciples. Amen. I want to take an excerpt from the speech of former President Barack Obama from 2013, as he so eloquently said about the crisis of fatherless homes. Tragically, they wouldn't even air this speech on modern news because it would be considered so much to be hate speech. Here's what he said, and I quote from his speech. 72% of African-American babies, 31% of Hispanic babies, 20% of Caucasian babies in North America are born out of wedlock. Most of them will never know their fathers or a father's love. Only one-third of children born in America will live with both biological parents through the age of 18. How does this affect us, he asked. On the point of, quote, wealth disparity in America, the race categories follow the same trend line. The group with the most two-parent homes do better financially, and it's not even close. Facts can be a pesky little thing. Asian and Indian American homes 
make up the highest income represented of any group because they have the lowest single mother rate of any group. Dear men, you matter. How much so? And I go on. Former President Obama said 85% of children with behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of teenage pregnancies are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 75%, 75% of teen patients in drug abuse centers are from, you guessed it, fatherless home. 70% of juveniles in correctional institutes are from fatherless home. 85% of youths that are in prison are from fatherless homes. And 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Dear men, you matter. You matter. I know that Hollywood mocks you. Television makes fun of you. There's not a hit show in the last 40 years that shows a father in a positive light. Fathers are always the stupid one, the one that can't operate a calculator, the one that's too dumb to understand how cool their kids are. We reject that because, men, you matter. You're the head of your home, and you matter. Mothers are protectors of the children, but fathers are protectors of the mother and the children. Not to go too far down a rabbit hole here. I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. By the way, I need to find new ones because all the other ones are coming true. But I'm not. I'm not. But when you think about fatherhood and you think about the manipulation of media in the last 40 years, they have forced fathers to become absentee and uninvolved because that's what television said they were. And when television lowered the standard of a dad, non-Christian fathers met that standard. And let's just be quite honest, even Christian fathers met that standard. Why would they do this? Well, if you remove the shepherd, the wolf can come in the house. Dear men, you matter. Remove the shepherd, the wolf comes in. Make a dad feel like he has no value in his own home. Relegate him to the man cave. There's nothing wrong with those. But relegate him there. Make him feel like his only value is what he brings home on paper that you deposit in the account. Make him feel like he's stupid and his only worth is to bring you money. Oh, Hollywood did a masterful job because they knew if they got rid of dad, they didn't even really want mama. They wanted the kids. We might get banned for this. That's okay. I know some of y'all get nervous. I walked away from my notes. 
I don't need to prove me right. You need to prove it wrong. Why, why is it the bullseyes are children? Brother Vincent, if you were seven years old and your teacher put lipstick on a dress, lipstick on you in a dress, and your dad found out about it, please tell me what would have happened back then. Trouble? You'd probably seen him once a month behind glass. But now, even me saying this, it's going to trigger people saying, but he is so full of hate. Don't say that, Pastor. Just stick with your notes. People are going to misunderstand you. You see, we get so short-sighted. We only want the next computer, the next phone, the next this, the next that. The next. Hollywood's been lining this up for decades. Brother J.D., if, if, if your dad went to school to pick you up one day and, and found out you had had mascara on and the teacher told you you were a girl but not to tell your parents, parents about it, how do you think that would have went? Because I'm going to tell you, it wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been Mr. McKeever showing up. It would have been Mr. McKeever and half of the dads within a 30-mile radius showing up. And the First Amendment wouldn't be your biggest problem. It'd be the second one. And before y'all start going, oh, he's threatening violence. Oh, don't say that. This is the feminization of our nation right now. We can't let men be men. Men sometimes have to settle things with conflict. I didn't say physical conflict. I said conflict. But if you take the teeth out of a wolf, what threat is there? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Go ahead and ban me on social media. I know it's coming. They've been setting this up for years. Get your daughters to dress like this at a young age. Get your boys to act like this. At a, oh, the boys won't comply? Give them this. Girls won't comply? Give them this. Because the sad tragedy is even a lot of homes that have fathers are missing dads. Men, you matter. If this society collapses and we are headed that way rapidly, historians will look back and say, where were the men? Where did they go? Was there a pandemic that just wiped out all the men? No. No, we were too busy being entertained. Dear men, you matter. As goes the men, goes the nation. And I want to encourage some men. Let's stand up for righteousness in 2023. 
and let's draw a line and say, not my home, not my wife, not my kids. I don't want a conflict, but if you go after my kids, I'm going to give you all you can handle, and I'm going straight up your nose with the Holy Ghost and anything else I can get. Say, Pastor, that sounds an awful light, like a threat. That's what a feminine man would say. And that's what a weak woman would think. We better protect our kids because they're after our children. A lot of y'all weren't here 13, 14 years ago when I was saying this. It's not about their colorful flag. It's not about that. It's not about Prop 8. It's about the kids. And people looked at me then and said, oh, you're, you're, you're a conspiracy person. They ain't saying that now. Dear men, you matter. 30 years ago, we believed that poverty and racial discrimination were primarily responsible for juvenile crime and behavioral problems. Now, nearly all evidence from universities and government think tank evidence points toward the fact that family breakup is the real culprit of a societal catastrophe. And if we don't turn this around now, we won't have time later. 72% of Americans say the physical absence of a father is the most serious problem facing our families. And that's why I want to say I am so thankful for every man that is in this house right now. You didn't take the easy way out. You stood up to raise your family, to work a job. I thank God for men like Brother J.D. McKeever who drives off and commutes long hours and has to spend. Thank you so much for men like that. If I start naming names, I'll be doing it all day. But I thank God for real men who say providing for my family and protecting my family, that's my responsibility. Amen. Not to get too carnal, but I remember a, an old song that I can't hardly listen to without tearing up. The Conway Twitty song and says, that's my job. He was talking about his dad. He ran to his dad in the middle of the night and said, I had a bad dream. I'm sorry to wake you up. I didn't mean to disturb you. I know you got to go to work. And his dad reached down and said, but that's my job, son. I'm thankful we've got dads who understand it's their calling and it's their responsibility to be the men that God has called them to be. I've come to preach to encourage men. You're being beat down on every side. The magazines, the social media, the politicians, everything, the news, everything. Education is saying you're the problem. But I am telling you, brethren, you are the solution to this. You are what God has designed. You are God's design to turn this nation back and to bring a wholesome revival. Amen. Christian fathers don't lie, steal, lust, or covet. Christian fathers do not serve the God of money. Christian fathers do not sire children only to abandon them. Christian fathers don't cheat on their wives. Christian fathers don't send their kids to church. They take them to church. Christian fathers have a real relationship with God. Christian fathers have a because I said so attitude. You're going to church. Well, I don't want to because I said so. And my said so is established in the word of God. 
We're not going to have that attitude in this house. Why? Because I said so, and my said so is in the word of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, we're not going to watch that kind of stuff in this house. Why? Because I said so and my soul is based in the word of God. We're not going to let that kind of music and influence into, into this house. Why? Because I said so and my soul is based in the word of God. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, men, you really do matter. You really are important. And I'm not just saying that because it's Father's Day. I'm saying that because that's what God said about you. God said that you matter. God said you are important. Amen. Amen. I am not comfortable, uh, not uncomfortable to preach this because it is in the word of God, but uncomfortable in my flesh because it is not the nature of man to say complimentary things to other men. But you matter. You're important. You're invaluable. We can't, matter of fact, we can't do it without you. I don't care what they say. We can't do it without you. Men, you are important. Don't abdicate your responsibility because somebody says you should. When they say you should, what that means is they are slithering in the door to try to take your place. Don't let them. Don't let Hollywood take your place. Don't let the Xbox take your place. Don't let music take your place. Don't let education take your place. Don't let money take your place. Don't let overtime take your place. Don't let entertainment take your place. You need to step in because, dear men, you matter. If you're listening to this in the year 2,225, I still want you to know, men, you really do matter. You really are important. We honor our mothers and our women, and we should. Matter of fact, we should do that every day that we live. But the Bible said if you want long life, you honor both your father and your mother. Amen. I want to honor our men today. Thank you for being men of prayer. Thank you for being in the house of God today. Thank you for giving and investing in the kingdom of God. Thank you for praying. Thank you for worshiping. Amen. I know you may not feel at your peak performance of being a man of God. I know you may feel like you've been trudging through squid. Sand. But I want to salute you and say thank you for being in the house of God today. Thank you for worshiping today. Thank you for being here with your family. Thank you for being here without your family. Thank you for coming tired. Thank you for coming here sick and weary in your body. Thank you for coming here stressed with a stack of bills on your desk. Thank you for coming. Dear men, you matter. Mark 5 and 22 tells us the story of a man named Jairus who has a daughter who is sick. Jairus, a rich man, a religious man, bypassed all religious protocols as far as we know when he heard that Jesus was coming. And he took off running and he met Jesus when he got off the boat and he said, my daughter is sick and dying. I need you to come to our house and I need you to heal her. I believe that you can heal her. We know the story how the woman with the issue of blood pressed her way in. And when they told him, uh, trouble not the master for she is dead, the father would not take no for an answer and still had his arm looped through the arm of Jesus and drug him to his address so that when Jesus would walk in, he would pray that prayer 
and that little girl would be raised back miraculously from the dead and live, amen, and have a normal life. All of because the importunity and the consistency of a man, of a father who said, I've got to get you to my daughter. Even though there is no breath in her lungs, I still believe you are able to do the impossible. Fathers, hear me. You matter. You need to get your family to Jesus. You need to get your children to Jesus. Mark 9 tells the story of a young boy, a man who is a deaf mute and has epileptic fits. And the Bible says that the father of this little boy brought him to the disciples of Jesus with anticipation and expectation that his disciples would heal him. But the Bible said that his initial faith was crushed when the disciples of Jesus could not advance any cure into the life of this young boy. Even so, the father pressed his way past the disciples and into the lap of Jesus. He pressed his little boy and he said, your disciples couldn't do it, but I believe you can do it. And Jesus said, do you really believe? And the father with great honesty cried out. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't try to go, amen, and try to hide his true emotion. He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And Jesus was moved by the faith of a father who who needed God to touch his little boy and Jesus answered by healing that little boy and raising him up out of his lifelong sickness. I've come to tell you dads, you really do matter. If your family's gonna stay together, you matter. If your family's gonna serve God, you matter. It's not always easy to do, but sometimes you may have to take conflict and say yes for me in my house. Some things we're not going to let in the house. Some things we ain't going to do, places we ain't going to go. Dads, I know sometimes we're, we don't win the popularity contest. But sometimes we have to say, no, not the, those people can't be friends. It's not personal. It's eternal. I can't let you influence them. I can't let that happen. But daddy, everybody's doing it. Doesn't matter. You're not everybody. You're mine and I'm his. Christ is my head. I answer to him. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound so 1950s. I didn't mean to seem so 33 A.D., amen. Christ is the head of every man. We need men who aren't ashamed to lead their families in the ways of God. Men, you matter. And I close with this, Psalm 68 and 4, amen, verses 4 uh, through 6 says, Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, which is a shorter version of Jehovah. And rejoice before him. I love verse 5. A father to the fatherless. And a judge of the widows. That doesn't mean judge as in mean. It means judge as in, as in rendering justice. A judge of the widows. 
is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Verse 5 says he is a father to the fatherless. Brother Chase said it earlier, a man that he is our father. I want you to know something. Whether your father was never involved in your life or he has passed on from this world, I want you to know that he is still a father to the fatherless and he sitteth in the solitaire of the families. I want you to know something, men, you matter and God said it matters so much that you have a father, amen, that even if your earthly father is not present, God said I will be your father, amen. If you have faith, that God is going to work in your life. If you have faith to lead, if you have faith to be that man of God and to take that stand for righteousness, then I want you to understand something today that God is going to empower you to lead. God is going to equip you and empower you to be a man that stands for righteousness and godliness. I want every man, every father, every young man, I want you to stand with me right now. Amen. We're going to close out a little different today. I thank God for all these men. Amen. Brethren, I want you to come down. These are our fathers, future fathers. I want you to come down. I wanted to this afternoon. I wanted to set us all in one section, but I know it's Father's Day, so I wanted you to also be able to be with your family. I want you to come on down to the altar right now. Amen. Amen. We got some young men here. One of these days, by the grace of God, y'all are going to be dads. Not right now, but it, let's give a little bit more time. Amen. Just a little bit more time. Remember, anybody can be a father, but not everybody can be a dad. Amen. One of these days, you'll be there, but not now. And I want you to remember what I said. You matter as a dad. There is an assault. Matter of fact, I think every man here can affirm everything I'm saying right now. We almost second guess everything we do now. Open a door. For, I, I, I've been cussed out for opening doors for women. And they say, well, chivalry is dead. Well, it's because you killed it, honey. Need no man to open a door. No, that's honor. I still remember getting in trouble because you didn't stand when a woman entered the room. Now that's totally gone. men didn't stop it we let the climate stop it men let's return our families back to God because you matter the world don't get to dictate what kind of a dad you are the Bible does it's not Hollywood's right to tell you what kind of a father you can be it's God's it's not up to the public school system determine what kind of dad you are. It's up to you. You can be a dad that goes along to get along or you can be that man of God that you're already walking in that path right now. I want to say this until it's ingrained in your head. Dear men, you matter. You matter to your families. You matter to this church, but you matter to God. Don't raise boys, raise men. Don't raise girls, raise women. 
raise them to understand the importance of God being first in our life. The way that happens is by you letting Christ be the head of your life. I want our men to just lift their hands right now. I want to pray with you. And I want to pray over you. And all of you that are remaining behind, just stretch your hand out toward them. Lord, I thank you for these men who stand for your word, who stand for righteousness in a generation where it is incredibly difficult just to be what you have naturally by nature called men to be. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, the enemy of their soul is after them. It's after their children. It's after their wives. It's after their future children. But Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to strengthen them. Bless them with a special touch today. Lord, I pray for these men who stand here, these fathers who are physically exhausted because they're just trying to provide for their families. I thank you, Lord, for these men who are mentally drained, emotionally drained, just just because that's what life is. And society is telling them by virtue of their nature, they're broken and they're a problem. Lord, I pray that they would feel your love and your strength and your affirmation that they are what you are calling them to be that you they are becoming what you have called them to be they're men of prayer they're men of worship they're men of devotion to their families and dedication to their families I thank you for these men and these young men I thank you for these young men that are not yet married because they have great examples around them and Lord if they succeed it will be because they followed the example of men in this room and if they fail it will be because they went the opposite direction. I thank you Lord for these men. I thank you Lord because they matter. They matter not just to a church building but to a church body. I thank you Lord for their dedication. I thank you Lord for their hard work. I thank you Lord for their commitment and their sacrifice. When it would be easy to go along with what society determines, they stand as stalwarts. They stand as pillars. They stand Oh God, they stand righteously before you and before the world. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for these men because they matter, because they are blessed for walking, Lord, after your counsel and after your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Dear men, Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.